Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Today on Music Rewind, we are bringing you something a bit different, another roundtable bonus episode. This time, we are bringing back some previous guests to talk 90s music. First up is Michael Borowski from our discussion of Pearl Jam Versus. How you doing? Thanks for having me back, man. Next up is Dom Brown from our episode of DMX's It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me back as well. I'm excited to talk about 90s music and uh, hear from the fellows and, and, and fellowship. And finishing out our roundtable is Danny Prokop from our episode of Sunny Day Real Estate's Diary. Thanks for having me back, Steve. Looking forward to diving into 90s music with you guys. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen, and uh, appreciate you joining us today. So what we'll be doing this evening is uh, every member of our ragtag group of 90s music scholars has a few questions for the roundtable. We'll use those questions to kickstart the conversation and either praise or mock our colleagues on their musical tastes. And as our moderator, I'm going to go with Dom for the first question. I thought your first one was pretty good lead off. Yeah, no one told me I had to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where did I send it? Uh, did I send it to you via text or email? I thought I sent it via email. Ah, here we go. Perfect. All right, guys. So the first question I had is, you know, how has 90s mu- music impacted your you know, perception of what you guys consider is, you know, good music? What do you guys think about that? You want me to take it, Steve? Yeah, go for it. Well, Don, you know, uh, Dom, that's a great question because I heard a lot of times, um, you know, I've read this a few times, but like people's perception of what they consider good music kind of solidifies at like 16 or 17. And you sort of make those basis or make those choices off what you were listening to then. And obviously we all grew up in that time, but still to me, I think that it definitely considers good music because even stuff I listen to now, newer bands, I can trace the sound that I like back to those bands that I first fell in love with in the nineties. So you know, there are some times where I, I, you kind of hear something and you're like, oh, that's derivative, not realizing that every band that you ever listen to is derivative. But so I, I think it pretty much shapes what I listen to now, um, sometimes for better and sometimes for worse, I will admit. You know, that's a, that's a very good you know take on that, because, I mean, if you look at what's happening like right now in, in the, you know, hip hop and R&B um, um, spa, uh, genre, you're seeing a lot of that, right? You're seeing a lot of songs that were older songs that are now being recycled. I mean, if you listen to like what's on the pop 40, you know, top, you know, the top 40 uh, songs or whatever. And it's a lot of uh, old school nineties uh, music and beats and, and, and melodies. And, and actually I think one of the billboard hot 100 songs is uh, by an artist named uh, Lotto and she's from Atlanta actually. And her song is uh, uh, big energy, but it's a sample of Mariah Carey's song. I think it's honey. I think the song is mm-hmm. but anyways it's like the number one song in, in, in the country and it's a 90s refresh or, or early 2000s refresh song so we're starting to see that really across a lot of genres and, and even like on, on the alternative and and, and and you know those really pop uh, rock bands you're seeing a lot of that too so i think there's a lot of val- uh, a lot of validity in that statement i put money on the fact that that mariah carey song probably samples something from the 70s oh absolutely it did oh, yeah. it absolutely and, did. and that you could trace it all the way back even further yep now Thank that you. honey that's the one when she's on the jet ski that video uh right? yeah that's it okay yeah great memory <laughs> well, no, i love mariah carey 90s man she yeah. i'm sorry she's in the 90s oh, just yeah. <laughs> 
Apparently, yes. you watch it a lot of times on mute, Michael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like your voice too. I I know we talk about later about like uh, um, kind of stuff that we don't listen to a lot or anything like that. But I mean, yeah, I'll get to that later. But I really do like. I'm all about like the girl singers and like the girl groups and stuff from the '90s. Um, but yeah, I guess you know to kind of go on with that. I guess the, for my answer on that, um, you know. I I think it impacted a lot because when we were growing up, it was like, all right, well, you just had like your parents' music. And then, so my parents was like, all right, classic rock, classic rock, classic rock, classic rock. And because of like, honestly, like MTV and staying up and watching stuff, like it got me to expand my, you know, different type of music. Like, you know, I, I, there wasn't a lot of like soul music or R and B or anything like that being played at the house. But like, you know, because of like, you know, MTV raps and like 120 minutes and stuff like that on MTV in the 90s, like there's so many different genres that now because of what I listened to in the 90s, like it pushed, you know, so many like to me to so many different ways, like of different things I listen to now. It's and that's one of the hardest things now is there's just so much out there and it's so good that I feel like I only get through like one record like one or two times and that's it. And I think back when I was like 16, how I would go buy a CD or something, I'd listen to it like 50 times. And, you know, and now it's just because of what happened in the nineties. And, and then like just across the crossover of like different genres too, that happened. I mean, you look what happened with like, you know, like uh, the judgment night soundtrack where you had like rap and rock together. It's on my list you know, then Lincoln Park showed up, you know, you know, and then like those bands just kind of keep like pushing over. And I guess you could even go farther back, I guess, in in the eighties with like Aerosmith and uh, run DMC, but you just, uh, there's just so many people playing on stuff like Jack White playing on like Beyonce's record. You know, it's just because of what happened in the nineties, it expanded your palate, I guess, you know, like your tastes were, just there's just so much more to like digest, I guess, because of the different things that we listened to back then. You hit on something really keen to me is that Lincoln Park discussion because Steve knows this. I was really close to doing Hybrid Theory by Lincoln Park as my uh, as my album for, to review nice. instead of um, DMX because I mean that that thing it, it was it was captivating. It was it was something fresh for me. Um, obviously, not growing up in a household that necessarily listened to rock like that, but just kind of yeah. hearing, hearing a different perspective from them. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and then, you know, you, you got that just from them in, in general. And then you had the crossover album of them and, um, and Jay-Z Collision Course, which yeah. was, uh, you know, amazing in itself in its own right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 a very good uh, that's a very good statement on that for sure. What's interesting about that, too, is, Margaret, you had mentioned like the Judgment Night soundtrack yep. when you had, you know, Pearl Jam and Onyx, I, I think were the pairing, you know, and Anthrax and Public Enemy. And some of those things, but I think for the first time for me, and, and you had mentioned Michael too about like, you know, TV raps, and then it was like 120 minutes or, you know, different ways that you got music. There wasn't really, and I don't know if it was just, if, you know, we, growing up in a small town or everybody else had the same thing, but there was really no, you could listen to Public Enemy, you could listen to the Beastie Boys, you could listen to Nirvana. Like there was no, I guess divide on what you could or could not, what was cool. You know, you, if you were a metalhead or something, this is what you had to listen to. Or if you like hip hop, this is what you had to listen to. You kind of listen to everything. 
And what I think is cool about that is when you see artists, especially from the nineties and a lot of other artists did it too, but um, you know, in generations past where you had like the Rolling Stones had, you know, some of the blues guys open up for them and stuff that obviously impacted them and, and had their records. But in the nineties, when you had, you know, Lollapalooza obviously is a big example when you have like public enemy opening for ministry and then you've got body count and then ice cube, you know, and, and some of those bands where it's, you could kind of be a fan of everything. Cause I, I think those, there was blurred lines of, of what, you know, what you could and could not, you know, in quotes, you know, listen to, I guess. And not like Robin Thicke blurred lines. I was going to make that joke, but I figured it was too easy. And <laughs> if you don't make it, I'll always make it. If it's too cheesy. <laughs> Dude, I got him. I got him in a lot of trouble and, and the fallout from that. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was what was that, what was the model's name? Emily Radikowski. I mean, she she like yeah. she was like it was like the one of the most toxic like filming sessions. Like he was groping her and everything. Ugh. Yeah, not Dang. good, not at all. So my answer on that, Dom, uh, kind of, I took it in a different direction uh, as far as what '90s music impacted your perception of good music, because the '90s really became my first realization of of prepackaged pop music. All those one-hit wonders and prepackaged kind of boy bands and girl bands that really don't stand the test of time. You got one single out of them and then they're gone, and it's really kind of terrible. You know, you, you know I'm thinking like like Gerardo and just other things off the top of my head, but the you know that, those things that were unfortunately dominating the charts. You got your Chumbawambas and your other things in there, and that showed me how good the other stuff was. When you've got Pearl Jam and Nirvana or the Pumpkins or whomever, Mariah Carey, you know, belting, boys to men, you know, harmonizing, you've got true talent versus the let's just put some pretty people on a screen and sell a video types of thing. So that highlighted the good music and really highlighted the bad music, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the Millie Vanillies of the world. Yeah, there you go. That poster child for what I was just talking about. That's interesting though, Steve, because I think that also speaks to sort of the evolution or maturity of, of being a music listener is because you might've fallen in love with say the public enemies or Nirvana, but then by the end of the decade, you have some of those bands who are, they're marketed because they now look like those bands or now sound like those bands. So when you say, you know, like those production houses or whatever you've got the guys now who you know we all have long hair we all have ripped jeans we might not be from seattle you know once you get to the middle of late 90s but we're gonna look like it we might not be from new york but you know we're gonna look like it we're gonna dress in khakis and converse you know because dre's been rapping about it for a decade so it's interesting that you said that because a lot of that music is extremely popular towards the end of the decade so it's interesting to see that there's like a, um, a point in time where you're like, yeah, that's manufactured and not for me, even though there's bands that are still huge to this day. I'm talking about Creed and you know, I am, um, Come on, <laughs> that, Limp Biscuit, yo. but you know what I mean? Like there's rage, right. And then there's Limp Biscuit, right. And people are going to argue that they're both on the same plane. And to me that it's completely not. different. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> they're, they're completely different. But you've also got true talent that succumbs to that. And I'll, th- I'll throw Mariah Carey out there, in my opinion. I mean, she owned the 90s. Her, her voice 
was amazing. And then you, you, as she goes along, I, I think she even did some rapping and just, she, she changed a lot of, of her music persona. I don't know who she is. I don't know her person. I'm just what I see on the screen or here. And what she did later in her career is not the same as what she did in the nineties. And the nineties was phenomenal for her. And I think that she kind of took advice from people who were trying to change her to fit what was selling. That's a great point. Cause she went, she was, like you said, when she first came out, I mean, I guess what late early, late eighties or early nineties, she was more like a pop um, singer, you know, you, you know, like the always be my baby type songs and stuff like that. Right. And then toward the you know latter half of the nineties, early two thousands, it was more of that hip hop influence R and B. Um, and it was she did that really, single it, with ODB, right? Yeah. Yep. Me yep. and Mariah go back like babies and pacifiers. Come on. That's a classic line there. <laughs> Rest in peace, ODB. Oh, there we go. But, but yeah, you, you're smart on that. You watch your unplugged uh, special. That that was something, you know, miraculous there. That was beautiful. And I couldn't picture that person in the the singing she was doing there. It was it was wonderful. Do something with ODB and <laughs> Spout those lyrics out of. But she made a ton of money off that song, though. Jeez. That's what it comes down to. It's all about where the money resides. I'll just I'll ask my first one, I guess. Um, what was the most uh, underappreciated album or like song from the nineties? Do you want me to answer this, like, right for me? I, I, go ahead and answer, but I'll say it's okay if you have a couple. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah and us, I do. Many of, these, um, many of these questions might have multiple answers and stuff per person. That's fine. So for me, like, I for, like, a song, and these guys were always kind of, like, second fiddle um, to, like, the, the four horsemen of grunge. Um, and I always thought, like, ST, Stone Pilots, Vaseline was always just, like, a very underrated, like, song. And it's like one of my favorite songs from the nineties. Um, it's like, to me, their best song. And then also a couple, just honestly, anything by whole. And I know I'll probably get some pushback like with about Courtney love, but I think that first couple whole records are really good. And I'll back then, you up on those, Mike. And Celebrity then, skin. Um, Come on. Yeah. And then, uh, I just I, I want to mention these guys just because I think they more people should talk about them because there's one record and it's and I'll give a shout out to my buddy uh, Adam Swisher on this one who found the CD for us at Musicland. Um, the band is called Four Squirrels and the record is called Example. Um, it came out in 1995 and it came out like I think it was like two weeks before the guys were coming back from a gig at CBGB's in New York City. And they're coming back to Florida and they're from, um, I think Jacksonville and their tire blew out in their van. And I think two out of the guys died out of the band or three of the guys, the lead singer and all of them. And the album came out two weeks later. And what's really creepy is he wrote a song about Kurt Cobain on there. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's about, um, you know, like his death and everything. And then this guy's dead. It's, and uh, Steve, check them out there. It's, it's a very like they're, it's, you know, like it's grungy, That's a new one. it's grungy, yeah. but it's, it's just a good rock band. I, and I just think they're unappreciated because like, we just found out about them like by a guess, like, you know, because our buddy thought it was a funny name for a band. And then it turned out to be like a really good record. And, um, 
yeah, I just don't think that those guys, uh, those guys could have been something big or they could have just been garbage. You know, I don't know. I mean, we'll never know because the, the guys died in the band. So, um, that's just, those are just a couple of things that I was thinking of for, uh, for that. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll check them out. I, I put down, uh, I've got one single, but then one album. Uh, for an album, uh, Hand on the Torch from Us Three. Uh, you might remember the song Cantaloupe, Flip oh, yeah. Fantasia. Bop, get funk, get yep. funk. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good album. It, uh, okay. that, the, the lead track is, is always a, a classic to me. Uh, but the, uh, it, it samples the Art Blakely Quintet. A, uh, a great jazz uh, quartet, uh, but just check out that whole album. It's it's really great. Uh, but then there's a, a Tom Petty song that I I think did not get it, the love it deserved, which was Walls from the uh, She's the One soundtrack. Great song. I love that song. It's one of my favorite yeah. Tom Petty songs, but it's never in anyone's you know front and center for Tom Petty. That was one. I think it should be. That was written during the um, Wildflowers, right? The session is I, that on the expanded yeah. one? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that whole era for him when he got together is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's a great song, Steve. That that actually is in my uh, top twenty-five songs of the year. That when that song oh, really? came out, oh yeah, nice. you know that Excel document I sent you, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved Walls uh, and just the, the Tom Petty channel. Occasionally, you'll you'll get some uh, like demo track versions of it. Pretty neat to listen to. Dom, what about yours? Oh, man, mine's tough. Um, gosh, I mean, there's so many good ones. Um, honestly, the, the, you know, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little cheesy route here. And um, obviously mine's going to be a little more hip-hop, hip-hop focused. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, I Get Around by Tupac featuring uh, digital, under, uh, digital, uh, digital Planets. Yeah. Uh, it was um, Shock G who refers, uh, of course, he, yeah. he, was, he was two artists, Shock G, and he was also um, uh, Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that rest song, man. Yeah, yeah, rest, yeah, exactly. And uh, so sad. Digital Underground, right? Digital Underground. Yep. I'm sorry. Digital yeah. Digital Underground. underground. Yep. And Digital Planets would be a good one for one hit wonders. Smooth that's like true. that. Rebirth of Slick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You're right. Um, but that song, man, it's just one of those songs, like to this day, when I hear it, no matter what I'm doing, it just makes me just feel good. It makes me just want to get, ex- you know, get excited. Just, I just, it, it, I could be having the worst day ever. And I hear that song and it just takes me to a whole nother space. And I'm just, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better. You know, life could be, it could be a shitty day. The day just becomes better and, and I'm, I'm going for it. And, and that's the one it's for me. the that lyrics just kinda, that might get you in trouble this day and age that's that's absolutely true i mean absolutely true yeah there's definitely some um some some obviously sexually suggested uh conversations that might lead to uh uh some uh (laughs) i hate to say it but like some bill cosby type tendencies or anything (laughs) oh (laughs) it's bad it's bad it's bad it's means you know drinking and all this and that and all that but but i mean but but uh, i mean just overall theme of the song and just like you know you know his message in it and then uh, you know, the melodies and, and you know, the punchlines that Tupac gives you in that. And it obviously it shows you why he was one of the uh, most gifted songwriters uh, of our generation. And, you know, obviously it was taken too, too soon from us um, before he had a lot of good music uh, left to give us, which he still gave us a ton of great music, even, um, you know, after his death. So, 
But uh, what's crazy is as soon as you mention the name of that, it's one of those songs you mentioned the title, and it instantly is in my head. I'm singing along. I'm hearing the beats. It's just one of those songs that is the, like the said, piano at the the, the uh, rounding piano at the beginning yep, pops yep. right into your head. Yep. yep. And uh, a great video too. It's a funny video at that. <laughs> so much so that was it was uh, there was a couple movies that actually try to kind of play off of that uh, off of the video and and uh, incorporate it into the film. So it was uh, it was pretty good. But that would be my one. Well, I'll be I'll be the one I would I would call out. I mean, there's so many others you can name, but I think that one kind of for me just resonates. How about you, Danny? You know, it's it's hard for me because I was looking around at some stuff, and I, I think the '90s had some of the um, when I think of underappreciated albums or songs or even bands is a lot of things that get lumped into like sort of the one hit wonder. So just for fun, I looked up like the like the one hit wonders of the '90s, and it's bands like you're like like Blind Melon. They had some really good records or two really good records, like, but there are you know so called a one hit wonder. Even a band like um, the Screaming Trees and the lead singer just passed away, Mark Lanigan. But Sweet Oblivion, that record is is very underappreciated to me. And uh, I was actually talking about it with a buddy of mine, and he was like. Well, that's their most famous record. And I was looking at it. It sold like 300,000 copies, even though it had a, uh, you know, a hit, quote unquote, hit single on it. So not everybody knows it. Um, but a band for me that I, that I love and, and I've seen they're getting a little bit more, uh, um, I guess, not publicity, but people are newer bands, especially in like the hardcore area, believe it or not, are, are name checking them. But a band from Champaign, Illinois called Hum you'd prefer an astronaut that record i think is just a masterpiece of sort of shoegaze great great songwriting great lyrics great band so i would definitely put them up there as one of those and there's you know but like you said there's so many quote-unquote underappreciated bands when you dive into it in the 90s it's it's very fruitful um area i know that's why we're talking about it but even you know like i said one hit wonders like you talk about like the toadies their, yes. album, their album possum kingdom is a yes. great record but you yeah. might know one song or yes. ha- fountains of wayne um harvey danger all these bands that oh, you're just you're going through all my one hit I'm sorry, I'll, 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 I'll stop <laughs> I was like, but i'm looking i see hum stars written down i got harvey danger flag false <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'll stop <laughs> no Wait, just, there's, there's like, a lot of good stuff I, I thought you were going to say not a surf, honestly, because oh, that's see, I, a band. That's a band that is. I now that I'm thinking about it, is probably one of the most unappreciated bands of the '90s because popular doesn't even sound like the rest of their catalog. And I would the rest argue of their it's catalog not even, is so good. And I would say it's not even in the top three on that album. I think Stalemate no. is the best one on I, that it's album. It's not even a top three song by those guys. It's not a top five song. Yeah, and I had mentioned their album. Um, the weight is a gift on on my uh, sunny day episode, Steve. I th- they're still a band that's putting out great stuff. Yeah, that, so, yeah their stuff call. is so yeah. I, I, Dan, like I thought for sure that's who you're going to say it was not a surf because just because popular just got remade by I've got this so new many band. bands, man. I'm like <laughs> so, somebody remade popular. Yeah, um, the band is called Pom Pom Squad, and it's a it's a it's a girl's lead singer of the band, and she redid the entire video with her oh, in, really? of all like the main characters and the guy from Not a Surf is in it playing guitar and stuff. 
So it's pretty cool. Check it out. It's um, okay. the videos on. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube and stuff. But um, yeah, the, her album came out uh, last year. Who is and it? It's the it, the band is called Pom Pom Squad. And uh, she, it's kind of like, kind of like a grittier Olivia Rodrigo, who was kind of like the big hit uh, singer from last year, the eighteen year old girl who like um, I can't think of the a driver's license was the song, um, something else. But like this girl is like it's kind of like rougher. It's a little it's way it's more alternative, I guess. But it's pretty good. What question you got for us, Danny? We sort of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about the Judgment Night soundtrack, but to me, the 90s were sort of, were like soundtracks played a huge role. I remember there, there were parts, there were times where I would have a soundtrack or somebody would be playing a soundtrack to a movie I didn't even know existed, but the soundtrack was awesome. So the question is, what's sort of the best soundtrack or compilation album of the 90s? And for me, I, I had a few. Um, I think one A and one B for me is the single soundtrack and then the crow soundtrack. So (laughs) single soundtrack, I mean, is it's sort of all of the bands from Seattle, except for two um, Paul Westerberg um, lead singer of the replacements from Minnesota and then smashing pumpkins here from Chicago, but sort of encapsulated that whole Seattle sound and, and had a, you know, you name them, they're on it. And then uh, the Crow soundtrack I thought was great. It had um, The Cure and Nine Inch Nails. Um, Stone Temple Pilots is also on it. Mike, you mentioned them before. But two of, two of my, like, just put them on as a record and let them play all the way through, even if you haven't seen the movie or don't care for the movie. But two amazing soundtracks for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, Singles is the one I put down i mean that's one of my favorite movies ever it's one of the reasons i i wanted to move to seattle when i was a kid besides the music was like the the and when my wife and i lived there uh last may like we went to the apartment where the garage is at and everything and (laughs) and stood pictures in front of it uh but yeah that soundtrack i mean only one song on that soundtrack is actually on an, an actual album so like everything that's on there is you know like those bands gave those songs up to be on that soundtrack, which is pretty cool. And then I got to agree with you on like the crow. Like I'm not like a big fan of helmet, but that helmet song on there oh, is yeah. really well, their good. Record, their record is Betty. Yeah. Very underappreciated. I'm going back to underappreciated albums of the nineties. Yeah. But yeah, those two, I, I, there's yeah. I, even the, the clueless soundtrack was pretty good. Honestly, when I was looking at it, like thinking of like the clue soundtrack or like can't hardly wait yep. when you have like, now, now I'm going to blank on it, but like the replacements are on that guns and roses is on it. Um, and I, I forget who no, I'm blanking. Radiohead. I know way to bring that up. Clueless. Oh, and then <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Wasn't that in uh, the nineties too? That was yeah. the Leonardo DiCaprio one. That was a pretty yeah. good soundtrack too. Yeah. That had that, uh, that song, that that pop one hit wonder, that sixpence. No, no, it wasn't sixpence. Sixpence none the richer. Cardigans, love fool. Oh yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's that's that was the one off that. Which is a cover song, by the way. Oh, is it by the Laws? Yeah. So I'll go with mine. I've I've got three that I just wanted to mention. Uh, 
just because it, you kind of have to, I'm going to say the Forrest Gump has to be out there. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's not 90s music, but it came out in the 90s. It's all yeah. Kind of. But, uh, so, but the other two, um, Above the Rim, uh, Ooh. Oh, fantastic yeah. soundtrack with you know, a good song. Yes. Regulate and Afro Puffs and it just several great, uh, call. great tracks on there. Uh, but then my favorite is The Commitments. And again, not 90s music per se, but came out in the 90s. And it is uh, a soundtrack I still listen to to this day. Uh, such amazing soul music from this Irish band <laughs> out of nowhere. So great movie, great soundtrack. Dom, are you still with us or are you having connection issues? You said, oh, that's no, I'm sure you're. So what, what are, uh, what's your best soundtrack compilation? He's on the move. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the move. Um, I, I'd say for me, it's, it's a yeah, tough choice. I got several albums that really resonate with me um, as far as in the 90s because you had a lot of good like soundtrack compilation albums. Um, so I would say, though, for me, one that kind of uh, I think yeah, about my childhood, nice. which sticks to me, is, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different because it was kind of a... a it wasn't just like strictly like, you know, one genre, but the He Got Game album. And it was a film by Spike Lee that yeah. uh, came out in 1998. So you got some R&B, you got some um, some jazz, you got a little bit of everything on it. And for that, for me, that one kind of resonated with me and stuck with me because uh, it, it was just, a, 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 you know, just a, a different amount of, 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 of type of music that was on that one album. I mean, you had some orchestra stuff. You had some, you know, some, some, some R&B and some old school, some blues. And that one stuck with me for sure. Cut off there at the end, but, but yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great soundtrack. Steven Stills was on the He Got Game song. Oh, was he really? Yeah, I'm just looking oh, at wow. the, I'm looking at the uh, soundtrack right now. I didn't, I was like, oh, Steven Stills, cool. All right, well, uh, we'll, uh, I'll ask Mike the first question here. What band or artist best represents the 90s to you? Like not just everybody, just what's your your band that uh, just represents the 90s? To me, I already mentioned them earlier, but Smashing Pumpkins and Mariah Carey. Those two just to me are, are 90s up and down. I know they've both done things after the 90s, but that's really where they're, to me, their, their strongest were. And, uh, and it just, uh, I hear them, it takes me right back to high school. I got to say, there's a lot of Mariah Carey talk on this that I was not expecting at all. No, I got to, <laughs> I got to go back and study up. I'm just, I'm just like, I feel it's amazing the, to me. The, the, I mean, the woman had, I carry on the woman had how many, uh, number ones? She, she, she like out Elvis or something? Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Right. I just like, <laughs> no, I'm saying, the, the, think of the question. It represents the nineties. I mean, between her and Whitney Houston, I mean, they ran the 90s. I mean, from 90s, from 90s pop music and R&B, I mean, those two ran it. Yeah, I mean, really, it'd be Garth Brooks. I mean, Garth Brooks, like, with the, there's nobody really knows. I mean, I know he's country, but, like, even, like, a person who doesn't listen to country like me. Oh, no, Garth Brooks needs to be mentioned in this. Absolutely. I mean, he's... Because I, I, I didn't really care for country, but, I mean, I could tell you, I could probably name 15 Garth Brooks songs that... I can't get out in my head. No Fences but. as an album was gigantic in, in the Illinois Valley, at least, let alone globally. Mm-hmm. I, 
I'll just say mine. I mean, to me, it's like it's like split, honestly, because like the beginning of the 90s was it would have been Nirvana. That would have like to me represented the first half. And then the second half was like be, was Radiohead. That, that's just to me, because um, when this let's be honest, like when the shit of like the music kind of just started to disappear, that was decent. Uh, probably like 96, 97, they kind of like picked up and kind of took the torch with the Benz and an OK Computer. When did OK Computer come out? Was that 97? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know, like the, cause it's, it's the nineties is weird because especially when it comes to music, it's like for like alternative, it's like the first five years is, you know, the, the grunge and the good alternative and stuff. And then you get like your second tier guys and your third tier. And by the time it's the, the second half of the nineties, you know, you're at Limp Biscuit and Corn and Creed and uh, Acoustic Creed, which is, uh, um, what the hell was that band name? Uh, no, you're right. When you think about it, it's for, I can't for think our of age, name I mean, right now. you've got, you know, 90 to 94, at least for me, would have been, you know, fourth grade through eighth grade. And then, you know, 94 through 98 was high school. So it's like almost two separate chunks of the decade that are completely different. Days of the new, the acoustic creed. Yeah. I thought they were more the acoustic Alice in Chains, but. Well, they had, Alice in Chains had an unplugged. So <laughs> they had their acoustic. <laughs> and honestly, the only reason I think I even liked that, um, touch peel and burn song or whatever it was is because the guys from acoustic cult back home would always cover. And it was pretty cool to see guys that you knew, like play something really well, but that's a whole other thing. I got to go with two. Yeah. I got to go with two albums for the nineties for me. If I think about it is, is nevermind in the chronic just, I think they sort of encapsulate, I know they're, you know, maybe an easy way to go, but they sort of encapsulate what is, what is great about the nineties. You've got two, two records that still stand the test of time. I mean, so much so that Dre was, you know, the super bowl. And then, uh, sorry. <laughs> is he getting yelled at? Cause I think he's getting yelled at. You all right, man? Hope you're okay over there, Dom. Verizon is failing me right now. I mean, I'm getting, horrible service right now and I'm um, tethering whatever and it's just absolutely shit <laughs> it, it'll cut in now and then and we, we get the, the voices <laughs> it's funny oh shit um do we want to postpone do we want to do something when, we all, when he's got more time to do it or better connection I was thinking if like he answers this then we can kind of the three of us and we can bring him back a, a couple, you know, have him like sit and then come back. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a. Actually. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. If you, um, that's a, that's a good, uh, I think it was Mike who said that. That's, that's a good, that's a good suggestion. You, the three of you kind of roll with it. I'd be really disappointed if we don't talk about the cherry popping daddy. So, I mean, that's oh, squirrel nuts. Are we going to talk about the swing, the swing revolution? I learned, I learned how to swing dance in college because that's how fucking ska, big it was. Ska, real big fish. I, they, hey, they're on the one hit wonder list for me. <laughs> uh, Sell that, out. 
Come on. With me too, man. Nah, nah. The record company's gonna give me lots of money and everything's gonna be <laughs> alright. Alright, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling. He's gonna try and log back in later when he gets to his uh a stable place and uh you know we'll, we'll just keep aren't rolling. we all looking for a stable place steve <laughs> i can't argue that i can't argue that. <laughs> should i go back and answer then the 90s sound are the records for the 90s or should we just pick up somewhere when he gets back on the, it's a, it's the artist or band that represents it dan not the album Kid can't even read. I thought you got like a 36 on the reading part. Of I was listening to the question that was answered and not reading off a script. I'm going to let people behind the uh, fourth wall there, buddy. The question that was answered or asked. What band or artist best represents 90s music to you? That doesn't say album. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I accept your answer, though, Dana. That's fine. That's a, no, I, I no. think the answer is no. right. I think it's no. a good answer. No. I am the moderator. <laughs> I wear the cape. I make the fucking swoosh noises. This is mine. <laughs> <laughs> I wear the tights in this family. <laughs> Should we talk right. about crash test dummies and Superman oh. now? Superman yes. never made any money. I promised my wife we would mention crash test dummies. Superman's dead. Fuel, Mike. Isn't that? Oh no, it's um, Our Lady Peace. Our Lady Peace. Marissa's Marissa's coworker that she's working. The brother was a bass player Amazing. in the band. My uh, my good buddy, his cousin, is the founder of uh, I don't know if they're nineties or two thousands, but um, the band Chevelle. They had the song "Send the Pain Below." I think they're the odds. Ah, yeah, early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. I think that first that. Uh, Plahaki saw him a couple times live. He said they're fantastic live. But what's funny is, so he was the founder of the band and he came up with the name, right? Mm-hmm. So then he was going to leave the band and he sold the name to the other guys and they like paid him crap tons of money. And I was like, you named it after a car that's already trademarked and you still got paid for it? And like, yep. Yeah, genius. Yeah. Genius. Fuck. Well, well, here, we'll, we'll continue on with some questions. I'll ask another one here. What's a band or album that didn't click with you in the 90s that you grew to appreciate later in life? I, I think I can answer this one. Um, when I was in high school, I... You can say Mariah hate, Carey. It's okay. I know. I hated Sublime. Hated Sublime with a fiery, hot passion in high school. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe I smoked enough weed in college to like understand it or something. But now I dig it. I mean, it's nice relaxing stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, it's not terrible. It's not the first thing I would put on, but I just remember like guys are people in school, like wearing sublime stuff and just be like, Oh, this band is just garbage. It reminded me like at the time of like, and Steve, you'll you probably be mad, but like Jimmy Buffett, I hate Jimmy Buffett as well. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but like, I really did. I got into supply more like later because I thought like listening to him, like play guitar, I, if he's a better guitar player than I gave him credit for, especially on the acoustic, um, you know, it's kind of like the same thing. Like I'm not a huge Zach Brown fan, but that guy can freaking shred on acoustic guitar. You know, and Mm -hmm. I I just it's so appreciative, especially when I've tried and failed to play the guitar um, at least 10 times in my life. So 
and his lyrics are kind of corny and all that stuff. But like, it's some good like stuff that you can always put on at a party, and people are gonna go like, they're not gonna be like, turn that off, you know. While when I was at parties in high school, even obviously I didn't get invited to a lot of them because I always hated Sublime. Um, but yeah, th- that is a band for sure. I I I got into like way later. I listened to a lot of Sublime senior year. Yeah, it was it was heavy on rotation in the garage. So. I got to go with Tool. Believe it or not, is I loved um, Undertow. I loved you know Sober and and some of those early songs. But then I, for whatever reason, it didn't click with me. Um, I liked what I heard, but I never dug deep into them. And then, as Michael can attest to, is recently, especially you know we went to see him. Oh, geez, now three years ago now, Michael. Yeah. 2019 on the fear, uh, you whatever the new record is called. Sorry. Um, but yeah, they're a band that I went through and then just once I listened and dug deeper into it and heard it, it's, it's everything I love. I don't know why it didn't click with me first. I think there was just so much other things going on. Um, and I liked the singles and everything, but I never did my due diligence and listened to the full records, um, more than a handful of times. And, yeah, it was a big mess on my part, and I—they're you know obviously fantastic band, but it just didn't click with me at first for some reason. I, I got to agree with you on that too. Like I I was into Undertow, and then I don't think you and I ever listened to uh, Anemia like ever. No. When we were in high school, and then I didn't really care for them, and then a perfect circle came out when we were in college, and I was like, oh man, I forgot that Maynard has this fantastic voice. And I'm like, maybe I should go back and listen to, you know, the other tool stuff. And I got into that and like opiate and um, like that live, like it was like live and like uh, kind of like oddball stuff um, because they did no quarter live on that um, disc. And I freaking love Led Zeppelin and the no quarter was really cool how they did that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm that that was the other one I was thinking too. Dan was tool. Yeah, you know what? And I, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if it was something because to me there were one of those bands where you were either obsessed with them or you didn't like them. There was no, oh, I like a couple songs. Like their fans are so dedicated and so yeah, like all in. Um, and I think for me it was like, what I, I remember growing up what I thought was awesome is like um, Sober the Video was on 120 Minutes and it was on Headbangers Ball. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> but the, the stop yeah. animation was just a great video. Um, but yeah. And then seeing them live is just amazing. Tool is another band that was a uh, heavy rotation in Hank's garage. That's exactly. I think how I got into them a lot more too, was walking over like after a couple drinks at my house to go over to the Hank's garage, two blocks down <laughs> for a couple more drinks. And then I'd come in and you guys would be rocking, uh, uh, anima, or anima, I can never know how to yeah, say I don't, that. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's actually pronounced. Because it's the, those two albums thing. Yeah, those that one and uh, and undertow were were just amazing albums. Uh, I my live version or my live experience with Tool was less than stellar. It's one of the worst concerts I've ever been to. Really? Uh, yeah, I saw them out in Hawaii, and uh, bands often come to Hawaii and put on a half-ass show, like just enough to pay for their vacation and call it a day. And uh, they did it on the, the UH campus, and there was no alcohol. So that, I mean, right off the bat, there was just a lot of angry people. And then the concert was very weird. There was a moment where uh, there was like a 20-minute 
bass solo where Maynard turned around and played PlayStation for 20 minutes and everyone's stone sober. So we're like, what the hell are we doing? Uh, and it wasn't even a good bass solo. It was literally dun, 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 dun for 20 minutes. Uh, it was, it was just terrible. And, uh, most people left early. That was on the, the tour for schism, uh, lateralis. Gotcha. That album, okay. yeah. and uh, which was an okay album. I don't think it was as good as their previous ones, uh, but the they haven't really, I haven't really listened to them since. They kind of faded from from my my playlist. See, that's funny because I like Lateralis. Like, that's my favorite. Well, I was just going to say, Steve, give the new record Fair Inoculum um, a chance because that's really when that came out. What, two years ago now already or whenever that was going to be i think it was tw- i think it was 2019 okay because um, then pearl jams came up the next year i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna listen to this and i was like holy cow this is just a fantastic record and then went back and sort of caught up and then saw them live and they ended up put on a good show it, it's kind of cool when you're you know the bands from then are now older maybe sober <laughs> you know, for the guys who couldn't really pull it off when they were, were not sober, um, not insinuating anything from those guys, but, uh, and they put on a good show. Yeah. Steve, I, I would say like, as a guy who, you know, likes Floyd, you know, those last three records are very progressive. Like there's, it's, it, you know, it takes the whole 10 minutes to get into the song, but uh, I mean, uh, parable and parabola, like off of lateralis to me is like, like some of the best like progression and like lyrics, like kind of all together, like from them. But that's just like my opinion, man. That, that concert just sucked my enjoyment of tool out of it. You know, a bad concert will do that sometimes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, it's just, because we were, we were so pumped for it. I mean, that yeah. was, uh, we were really looking forward to that, but and see, and see, I got, I, the show Danny and I went to, I was so, like I was actually at the flu when I went to it and uh, I told my wife about it after and like for uh, Christmas this year, she bought me tickets to go see tool with her. She wants to go see it. Like that's, she was so like, she was like, man, you, the way you and Danny talked about that show, she's like, I want to go. Like, so we're going like, I think in a couple weeks to United center to go see him just cause we were so – it was a good – I mean, it was a good show to me. I thought it was hey, great. If they come out and they say they're going to do Undertow in its entirety, I'm there. <laughs> You'd be lucky if you get a song from Undertow, one uh, or two. Steve, shame. it's funny, though. You mentioned seeing a band that totally turns you off and a 90s band that I saw, and it turns out it was in a tumultuous time for them, but the Red Hot Chili Peppers, it was early oh, yeah. 2000s. And I think what soured it for me is that Queens of the Stone Age was opening up. And I don't even know if their record was out yet. Like it was new. Queens was pretty new. Maybe rated R, I think is their first record had just come out, but they blew them out of, out of the water. Like Queens was amazing. And I don't know if the peppers were just having a bad night or if it was just, you know, I was having a bad night, but it was like, Oh, I don't want to listen to they them. They definitely went through some turmoil though. So you might've caught them I, in there. The I agree though. Cause I saw them. The, the only time I've ever seen them was at Lala, like in 2000, God, like it's six or seven or something like that. Yeah. And people are like, Oh man, I can't wait to see the peppers when they come around this year. And I was like, man, I kind of thought they sucked live. Like they seem like they were just phoning it in. Like they didn't really, 
they seem like, yeah, hey, we're like too good to be at Lollapalooza. Like, you know, like Lollapalooza kind of made you guys. They headlined Bonnaroo in like 07 or 08. And, you know, it was, it, it's a festival set. So your hits mainly. And, and yeah. they did, they did fine. I mean, everybody enjoyed it. It wasn't, it wasn't something I was going to write home about, but I mean, it was an enjoyable show. Yeah. So. Well, and again, with a band like that, who, you know, well-documented substance abuse and all that kind of stuff and the turmoil with, with everybody, you don't know if it was what was going on behind the stage, you know, mm-hmm. or behind the scenes rather. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of bands that, you know, I will say, Oh, I love them live. And somebody like, well, when I saw him, he could barely speak, you know, the, the singer couldn't speak or the, the guitar player wasn't there. And you're like, Oh, well then I guess, <laughs> I, I guess you had a bad right. experience. The, uh, so, so my answer for this question is uh, Weezer blue album was pretty popular, you know, the, the late nineties. And I, I never just latched onto it. Uh, you know, I'd heard buddy Holly was everywhere and, uh, you know, I thought it was an okay track, but it just kind of never really jumped out at me. And uh, it, when the Green album came out, uh, that uh, I got, so let me, let me give these guys a fair shot. And I listened to it, loved the Green album. So I went back, bought the Blue album. And, and then it was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this is actually really goddamn good. Uh, and so I stuck with Weezer for, for many years. And what do you think about Pinkerton? Because that's, to me, that, that's to me, that's my favorite record from them. And that's, but that's like the indie like weird yeah. guy that you know. That's just like the indie weird guy answer for those guys always. Though I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, the uh, the blue album to me is kind of their their pinnacle. It's just it's a, it's a great album. Uh, the green album is great too, but just not as good. Uh, the red one wasn't bad. I, I would put that on the same level as Pinkerton, and then I know they've got some other ones in there that I just haven't listened to. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, you shake your head. Shake, I, I but, know I can't because anything after Maladroit is really tough to listen to. So Michael, this is—I don't but, know if this is in defense of Weezer because I feel the same way you do. But what I find interesting is that even when I say it, it's like, oh my god, their lyrics—you know, like, oh, the music sounds great, and then the lyrics, and then you go back and you're like, wait, I'm defending a band or the lyrics, and then their biggest hits are about um, unraveling a sweater. <laughs> looking like buddy holly riding a surfboard to work right you're like oh and then pinkerton's got some real questionable shit on it so now they're singing about pork and beans and i'm all of a sudden upset because right. it's not it's not intellectual so you, enough for me if you like, take out the on, song man. beverly hills the red album is really good well it, it, do you know that like he actually you want to talk about dorky spreadsheets like he has excel documents with like programmed like stuff to like fall like he can make a song like out of like this excel document that he has put together from all these different lyrics that he oh, like with slaps hooks together stuff? yeah yeah like because when he went to harvard and he came back like he like he was like i can write a, a pop song like this is exactly how you do it abc and he just goes to this thing and he can just create them like which i thought well in a way that's kind of genius and in another way it's like man that's just like the laziest writing i've ever heard i got to see them maybe about a year or two after or before i got married down here in atlanta and it was actually a really good show i felt really old being there so <laughs> this would have been 2010 2009 somewhere in there uh because i was me and my buddy we were easily we, we didn't fit in with the the young kids we didn't fit in with the dads who brought their kids and we were just kind of somewhere in the middle (laughs) um but it was actually a really good show and during hash pipe he actually brought in 
uh, children's orchestra from one of the local uh, middle schools. Oh, that's cool. And they and they actually played hash pipe on their kid instruments, mm-hmm. and it was just it was really neat. Uh, just like a very avant-garde sort of way to play one of their hits. Yeah, we'll see. When I saw them, I thought they were boring. (laughs) 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 Sorry. They played played down at ISU, and it was them, Tenacious D, and um, Jimmy Eat World. And the best band on the stage. That's not the most 90s concert ever. I don't (laughs) know what it is. (laughs) The best band that day was Tenacious D. Like, the two guys with acoustic guitars was the best band that day. And... uh, I just was like, I was so disappointed because I wanted them to be good, like live. But he just like didn't say anything and he just like played the songs and then was like, thank you. And then walked off stage. But I don't know. I like Radiohead, too, and they do the same thing, I guess. So my, my honorable mention for this particular question was the Beastie Boys. So those are those are guys that I never clicked on. But then later on, oh, they man. were huge in the barracks. In the army barracks, they were inescapable. Oh, hello, nasty was that? It was a huge record in '98. Well, ill communication is one of my favorite records of the '90s. That we, I was going to talk yeah. about, but like sure shot. So what you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh and, and those God. are great songs. But I didn't really oh. it, it didn't click with me then. But later on, and I got to see them at Bonnaroo, and they were fantastic. Have you seen the Apple um, documentary thing that they have about the Beastie Boys? No, it's the two surviving members and they basically talk about their history in like a live concert type setting. And it's got like clips and like all their stuff from the beginning to like when um, I just don't Yalk Yalk is a guy who died. Um, yeah. I can't remember what his rap name was. Adam uh, Kid A-Rock. Um, but it's really good. Like it's totally the next time if you if you get a. Next time you uh, buy an iPhone, they give you like a year free of like Apple TV. Like I would suggest to watch that thing. It's really good. All right. So uh, you're up, Mike. What's what's your question for you? So in your mind, what's the most like overplayed album or song that you hear from the 90s and you're just kind of like this again? I would say my album is uh, I'll probably get some slack for this, even though I really like this band, but I really like their first four records a lot. Um, is the black album from Metallica? Um, well, you're not wrong there. That that was the first record I have CD I ever bought, like physically bought. And then um, I would say songs. In it's kind of funny because both these bands had the same song name, um, and it's Radiohead and Stone Temple Pilots Creep. Like mm. those songs are so overplayed, and they just bug me. And then anything, no doubt, does. I've decided that. The farther I've gotten away from the 90s, the more I dislike No Doubt. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's because of her solo stuff or what, but just now, like, I just can't listen to, like, Don't Sleep or any of that stuff. It's just, it, her voice is so Spider great. You know? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, they never bothered me, but now I don't, just, I just, her voice is just so grating to me now. Yeah. You don't like her rapping? Well, B A N A N A S. It's the only way I know how to spell it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. See, what I was going to say for this one is it's sacrilegious of me to say, but I almost think it smells like teen spirit. And, and let me explain before the pitchforks come out. <laughs> to me, it's, it's canon and it's one of the greatest songs ever written. But if I was going to sit down and listen to Nirvana, I'm not going to play it. If it comes on, I'm going to listen to it. But 
if I want somebody to know the essence of Nirvana, it'd be the same way. It's the same way. It's become stairway to heaven for our generation. Mm-hmm. I love the song. It's a, it's fantastic. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. But if I want somebody to turn somebody on to Led Zeppelin, it's not stairway. If I want Nirvana, now I might play smells like teen spirit, but there's so many better songs and there's so many, you know, if somebody's like, Oh, you like nineties music here smells like teen spirit. You're like, okay, I get it. You know, you don't yeah. necessarily have to hear it again. I don't have to hear back in black ever again. Cause it's in my DNA. So it, it's just one of those songs. I don't think it, it's, it's sort of that. I don't know. It's one of those things where Nirvana now is like a myth, you know, it's, it's like the yeah. Beatles. They're both overrated and underrated because people just take it for granted that they're great. And some people say it without even listening to it or diving into the music. And I think that's sort of where smells like teen spirit falls in. I think a lot of people like it because they're supposed to. And when you take away sort of that cultural and sort of the songwriting aspect of it and don't really listen to it, it sort of loses meaning. And I think that's sort of where that song is now for me. Again, it's one of my favorite songs, but if it comes on, I don't necessarily need to hear it or I don't, I'm not going to go back, man, I got to hear Nirvana. I got to hear smells like teen spirit. It's the same way with stairway. It's the same way with back, back in black. No, that's completely, completely fair. Yeah. And like you said that they're almost like a myth. It's like, ah, for that, the Batman trailer when they, I think it's, I can't remember. It's, um, on a plane. I think it is that they're doing, but it's like, it's not them. It's not Nirvana. But it's somebody covering it, and it's, it's one of those creepy. slowed down, like yeah. Dramatic, and it's dramatic, like, yeah. I think more people were days. excited that like it was a Nirvana cover because it was like, oh my god, it's Nirvana, and like more yep. than it was the Batman. Like, and, and <laughs> I, I said that to Marissa. I go, do you know what song this is? And she's like, no, I don't really recognize it. And I was like, oh man. But guys our age are just like, I'll go see the Batman if they they just play that in the background the whole time, you know. But they are. They're like a myth. They're not even, you know, it's like a, well, you know, and, and I mean, exist, you know? we are talking about the 90s. So we we should sound like, you know, four old Gen X guys complaining about, you know, stay off my lawn. But I, I think it's one of those things where when you were, I, I guess the same way that, you know, we would walk around with Led Zeppelin shirts, you know, we could be into it. But somebody else, when you could buy a Led Zeppelin shirt at Target and now that's Nirvana and that's, you know, bands that are still. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of not to say that it doesn't matter and that people like music is timeless, obviously. And, you know, if you fall in love with Led Zeppelin, like we all have, you fall in love with it. I guess what I'm saying is that it's sort of, if it becomes superficial, becomes background where now smells like teen spirit is in the grocery store. It's sort of like, Oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like when your parent, like, like when my mom says, Oh, I like that that smells like teen spirit song. And it's like, yeah, when I was a kid, it was like, Oh, this noise is so, it's just so annoying. And I can't believe you listen to this. I remember when he died, we were coming home from uh, Disney world and I had my headphones on and my mom's like, wake your brother up. And I'm like, what? She's like, Oh, that, you know, that Kurt Cobain guy killed himself. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, he's dead. And I'm like, wait, what? And like, then now she's like, I really like that Nirvana and Pearl jam. And like, and all those bands are pretty good. I, I would like to go see the Pearl Jam. I'm like, I now I can, you know, it's like we can never listen to this again because you, when you're a teen and you're so angsty, like this is our music, you can't have it. And now it's like, oh, it's good, huh? I, I like it. It's a good, good melody to it. 
My mom, by the way, is a, yeah, is yeah. a 75-year-old <laughs> Jewish woman. So it smells like Teen Spirit. It's got a good melody to it. <laughs> I don't like what he's saying about libidos. And yeah, what's that? But what about whose has a Speedo on? I don't understand. But no, I, I guess, you know, just to go back to it, I, I just think it's one of those things where it's it's just become part of, again, it, they're almost, you know, it's like hearing the Beatles, like you instantly know every song by them, right? They're almost like Christmas carols at this point to everyone yeah. on the face of the earth, whether they have never heard the Beatles before or if you've heard them 500 times or 5 million times, you know the songs are in your DNA. To me, that is Stairway, that is Nevermind, or I mean, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So it's it's sort of like, overplayed i don't know can you really play those songs enough but they're not something i need to necessarily sit down and listen to frequently just because they're ingrained in in myself well yeah both both your uh smells like teen spirit and the black album from metallica i think that's completely fair because those were just as the question is overplayed they were saturated 100 percent and then both of those bands when you listen to more the stuff that's not on the radio uh, that's when you discover why they're such great bands. Well, and we should yeah. say too, they were played or overplayed with good reason, right? They're fina- they're phenomenal artists. They're phenomenal records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, wh- whatever you want to, the argument about Metallica, you know, I'll, I'll die on a hill for Metallica. Um, they were one of the best thrash metal bands ever. They became a really good hard rock band. That's my take on it. Do with that information. And then they made loaded reload. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and they were Saint overplayed Anger. for they were played and overplayed for is, a reason. Is that, is that a Saint Anger flag behind you? Is that oh, oh. what a terrible? I, I'll give Death Magnetic <laughs> is a pretty good record, but it was a better return to form. But yeah, Saint Anger was yes. bad. Saint Anger was so bad. Oh, that that drum kit. If, if you got to hear, oh, that dr- drumming is bad. It, yeah, there's 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 the drumming was bad, and there's no guitar solos. No. I mean, and you have great guitar players. Like you have two yeah. really good guitar players in that band. <laughs> like maybe they needed Dave Mustaine. If you watch that documentary, and, the some kind of monster, it Kirk Hammett's like, why don't we have guitar solos? And uh, Lars says something like, well, that's that's trendy. Everybody does that. It's like that's why you have a lead guitarist. You know, that, or, or you two created that. Yeah, <laughs> You're the one a, who created that's the a trend. skill. A skill that these guys have. Use it. We want to hear it. I mean, I, they I don't listen, just made I don't listen to Fade to Black for the you know wonderful lyrics of you know Suicide. No, I'm listening for the guitar solos. Well, I think what really lost me is when we were on like the Unforgiven Part Seven, and you're like, okay, we, we get the idea. <laughs> All right, didn't that kid get out of that fucking box? I mean, what I mean, happened? Like, <laughs> he had to be out by then, right? No, I mean, you got to be pretty – I mean, what did they celebrate their 30th anniversary two years ago or something? Well, something this is their record? Metallica 40 is their tour right now. Or 40, so 40. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I meant 40, not 30. Sorry. Well, the Black Album last year was, was 30, 30 years old. Yeah. So you got to – they're doing something right. They're a kick-ass band. Yeah. Oh, they're fantastic live. I mean, fireworks and – just like rotating stage and and they still sound great live. I mean, and he, not like he's like the greatest singer in the world anyways, but he's not supposed to be, you know, like he's supposed to go out there and growl and snap. And, you know, I think he's underrated. Snaps are bad. Yeah. But I think he's underrated. He's got, he's got his style. As soon as you hear him, you know, it's him. 
And speaking of live, though, I mean, I've seen him three times. There was my first concert was up at Petcatonica with them, and they were fantastic. And then uh, I saw him at Bonnaroo. They headlined, uh, and it was a great, fantastic set. The first Bonnaroo I went to, and but then in the middle of that, it's another Hawaii trip. Saw him out in Hawaii. They sucked. Really, and, uh, with Monster Magnet opening for him, and it was uh, there was Ooh, no Monster pyro. Magnet. It was a piss poor venue and it was just i don't know it, it people were sitting yeah see, i got to see him this was probably when loaded reload were coming out so the opener kid rock opened then seven dust and then metallica so that tells you how long ago this was and they it was a smaller venue i think it might have been at the all-state arena out here and it was just unbelievable they came out and I think they may have played two of like songs from load or reload or whatever record was at the time, but everything else was just straight. Everything you wanted to hear from yeah. them. And like you said, the pyro with one, the flash pots and everything. Yeah, You're like, like the, the, oh. pyro, the pyrotechnics <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you hit on something there. When I saw them at Pecatonica uh, in 98, they actually said, we feel like playing old shit. And they did. And it was fantastic. Everyone loved it. Whereas out in Hawaii, they played. Let's let's hear the hits from Load and Reload. Yeah. There's hits on there. I don't think you could put together ten fuel. songs from those two records. I was just gonna say fuel. So when fuel. I used to do, I used to work for, um, I used to represent a client that was NHR had an NHRA team, and that was played at every starting line. At every at every track, it pumps you up, though, man. It's not the worst song. They had guitar solos on those albums, so you know that's a good song. Come on, if we we had uh, my brother on here, he'd be fighting. He he likes Load and Reload. He he he's had big conversations with me and Danny about it, and we're like, no, you can't convince us. Like, he's listening to Ride the Lightning and Master, I assume. He has, yeah. See, like I said before, I had to com- uh, compartmentalize. I had to say this isn't the band that did that. This is a great hard rock band. So would I rather listen to Load and Reload? I can't stand by Saint Anger. So no, but Saint Anger's bad. Load. Well, Death Magnetic is great, and the last one is good, too. Like, now I'm blanking. Um, Isn't that Death Magnetic? No, no, no. I don't think they've had anything since then. Yeah. Well, and you got to acknowledge the, the tipping point for them of, uh, you know, when Cliff Burton died in 85. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was really the end of their thrash. Oh, Hardwired to Hardwired. Hardwired yeah, has yeah, got yeah. some great tunes on it. Yeah, that's that's got some good jams on there. Because isn't that the one that Lady Gaga sang with them uh, from that record on? Uh, I know the nothing Grammys? about Lady Gaga except anything that it, you or your wife tell me. It was on. It was on uh, Moth to Into a Flame. They did, gotcha. and she came out in the one of the coolest Metallica shirts I've ever seen, and I've been searching for it ever since. <laughs> I can't find it. It was probably four grand. Oh, made. Yeah, it was probably made for her. <laughs> So, all right, I'm going to go with my overplayed songs here. Uh, I went with a couple of songs, but to preface this, I worked in a truck stop. I worked at Sap Brothers for three years in high school. Love it. So there's two songs there that I never, ever want to hear again. And one is, is Blue by Leanne Rimes. And uh, you may not remember that one, but that was played. No, I know it. it yeah. 
just, it's like a yodel song, but <laughs> the, the main one is All I Want to Do from Cheryl Crow. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Really? I okay. can't stand that song anymore. That song, I mean, it was maybe good at the time with a couple of MTV plays, but I mean, that song is just, I don't know, maybe it crosses over to too many fringe genres of, of country and pop and, you know, I don't know, whatever, but it's just, oh, I hate that song. Well, it's one of those things that was played everywhere. You could escape it. Always in a bar because it's such a bar song, too. That's it, yeah. It, it, it's such a dive bar song. That and Friends in Little Places. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about 90s. Oh, that, that, yes, Friends in Little Places, I don't think I could – if any – that was the one nice thing about my wedding is there we did not have anybody who gets married from the Illinois Valley. That song is a hundred percent played. I don't think I can. I, I enjoy it when I'm three sheets to the wind and everyone's yeah. just singing oh. along, you know, it's piano man. It's the you know, dive it's, bar song. Yeah. Right. Yes. But I don't necessarily ever want to hear that one it, again. It's so can special, I my answer. It's a special time of entertainment though. When someone sings that karaoke and no one in the crowd joins in. Oh, Oh yeah, yeah. They, they just leave them up there to to to, to die. That's that's uh. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, I don't that have friends. Because <laughs> that one, you have to have like a crowd sing with you yeah. on that one for sure. Oh man, that's like up there singing American Pie, and you realize there's three verses that you didn't realize existed. Yeah, can I just do the chorus? <laughs> we could talk about seventy songs that I never need to hear again. <laughs> that would be one of them. I'd like to thank you for listening to this part of our 90s Music Roundtable. The full three-hour episode is already up on our Patreon. Otherwise, the next part will be out in a few weeks. What music topics should we cover in future bonus episodes? Let us know on our socials. Thanks again for listening, and as I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.